Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Welcome to the Hamden Roar podcast. It's been a wee while since we did one of these interviews with a former Scotland player. Life's kind of been getting in the way a wee bit. But with the Ukraine game approaching rapidly, thought it was about time to get a few former Scotland pros on to chat about their careers and get the build-up going. So delighted to say that my BBC colleague Chris Willemo joins us for the Hamden Roar podcast. Chris, thanks very much for coming on. It feels like we've been trying to arrange this for months. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute pleasure, Andy. Yeah, we have. You know, like you say, life definitely gets in the way, doesn't it? But uh, I'm delighted to be here with you this morning. Good, mate. Right. Well, let's go back to the very start for you then, because you were born in 1978. So what are your earliest memories of the Scottish national team growing up? Is it too early for 86, maybe Italia 90? No, I was there. I mean, I was I was watching. Uh, those are the, the memories. You know, I think... Uh, Growing up, uh, you look at the... For me, I was always a striker. So, you look... And to be fair, you know, I'm a Celtic fan as well. Andy, Ali McCoyst, he was the main... He was the main man for me. You know, it was one of them. Was, I wanted him to be a Celtic player. Uh, so, so <laughs> badly. And I know, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but he was just a, an out-and-out goal-getter. You know, like he was... Uh, uh, the poacher, but he was link-up play, just, he had everything, uh, and we work together now, surprisingly, one of these things, you know, I've, I've, I've met a lot of my heroes uh, in, in the media world, uh, and it's it's been a pleasure, but like you say, 86, 1990, yeah, those were the, those were the tournaments that, uh, that you know, I've, there was always a love for football, uh, I, I played football very young, uh, and it was, uh, it was one of those things that, uh, it was something that I always wanted, 
I always wanted to be a professional footballer. Uh, and like you say, I, I, I love I love my country, and I and, and I wanted to to pull on that dark blue. I'm surprised, not that you've I don't think you are, and you've never struck me as a tribal kind of guy in that sense. But it's not too often you would get someone supporting one side of the Glasgow divide that idolises a striker from the other. It's bizarre, isn't it? You know, it's, of course you, you've got your your Henrik Larsons, and you. I, for me, it was. See, I've played football for a very, a very uh, early age, uh, and I've, it was the fascination, the reaction that 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 you get from scoring goals. It was something that that really hit home. I loved, I loved that. You know, what my, feeling that myself, I still get butterflies watching watching Celtic Rangers, Rangers Celtic today. You know, I really do still get the butterflies watching these games. Uh, but like you say, I think because I've probably been down south for the last. Well, being away from the being away from Scotland for the last twenty four years, it's not. Uh, I'm still a Celtic diehard, but I'm a little bit more open to. I want the Scottish teams to do. I, I want Rangers to, to win the Europa League. It's as simple as that. I don't know if this is going to be going out before or after that, Andy, but uh, hopefully uh, they, they would have lifted that that European trophy because what it's fantastic for Scottish football and there's a big and there's a bigger picture. Absolutely. So in the late 90s, Chris, you broke through at St Mirren and then moved to Aarhus in Denmark. So at that stage, is playing for Scotland a realistic ambition in your career? Are you trying to reach that pinnacle step by step? Uh, I think as a, as, as a, I guess, a young player coming through, uh, you have to set yourself targets 100%, you know, and I think, uh, yeah, of course you have to do your job for your, for your club. Uh, and hopefully that 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 opens that door and uh, that international door for you. You know, it was. Uh, I'm just trying to think. It was we were we were down. We were down. We submitting. We used to always go down to Largs and help with the the the, the a license. You know, the adjudicators. We'd be the runners. Obviously, Jimmy Bone was the manager. Kenny McDowell, and they'd be down there uh, uh, putting people, uh, paces. And I remember just on the way back up. To, to the main building uh, down at Largs. Uh, Craig Brown's pulled the car in. He stopped the car. And he says, jump in, big man. So I've jumped in and he, and he said to me, this was, I was, I'd have been 18 years old. So I'd, I'd only made a handful of first team appearances for St. Mirren because I made my appearances when I was still at school. And he says, uh, you're going to play for Scotland one day. He says, I'm going to pick you for Scotland. So I'm, I'm, I'm on cloud nine. You know, I'm sitting thinking, bloody hell, you know, he's, he knows who I am. He's down. He's obviously watching, all, doing all the coaching as well with the, the adjudicators. But that was something that always stuck with me. And then it never came, Andy. It never came. You know, I wouldn't say that I tore up trees. Obviously, going to, to Denmark at that age probably was a little bit scared off because you're, you're, not, you're not on the radar at all. Uh, then when I came back to England, Stoke City uh, had had success. Scoring goals at City over the next two, three seasons, got promoted to the championship. Scoring goals in the championship, but still, it never, it never, it never came. You know, what, what, uh, what age are you at this point, Chris? Probably about 23, 24 or younger than that. So you look at 23, 24. Uh, I then went to Brighton, got another promotion under the belt. Done, had a successful period at Brighton, albeit they only took over my contract for three, four months with Mark McGee as man. Uh, and again, I'm just sitting thinking, right, okay, just keep the head down, keep playing. I went to Germany, played in the Europa League, uh, got to the last 16, 
Uh, and I'm just again out. You're, you're under the radar. You're not. You're not on the, on the map at all. Now I remember the the conversation I had with Phil Parkinson. There was about twenty five clubs want to sign me before I went to Germany, Andy. And then when I came back, I had a year, I signed a three year contract with the German club. I was there for a year, and I wanted to come back to English football or British football. And uh, I had two clubs, Doncaster and Colchester. But Phil Parkinson, the Colchester manager, had always kept in touch with me through that no-brainer for me. But I, I scored 37, 38 goals in two seasons at Colchester. Uh, real successful period. We finished uh, in 10 of the championship, the highest that Colchester's ever finished. And it was the championship. It's not a, it's not a shabby look. And still, nothing... There was no, there was, I don't know if it was football snobbery because of it, it was little old Colchester United. I then went from Colchester United to Charlton and just been relegated from the Premier League. And all of a sudden, I got a Scotland B call up. Alex McLeish's manager. You know, we played against the Republic of Ireland. Uh, I then moved to Wolves the following season. And that's when the first team, so you've got to remember, I'm at 20 net. I'd just turned 30. I'd actually just turned, so basically, I've just turned 30. I'm sitting thinking, it's never going to happen now. Yeah probably had and to be fair Wolves was my most successful period uh, my goal I, I scored uh, six, 15 goals in my first 16 games for Wolves uh, and that opened that door internationally for me and that's what surprises me because we all know what happened on my, my Scotland debut you know I still get I still get a little bit of stick a little bit of banter for the, the Scotlandness. but I was in the best form of my career at that moment in time even after that game Andy I went and scored uh, eight goals or ten goals in the next uh, in the next six seven games, you know what I mean? It was it was just ridiculous. I couldn't I couldn't write it. So I'm delighted because when Craig Brown's car and he says you're going to play for Scotland one day. I genuinely thought, wow, you know what I mean? I was only I'd only played a handful of games at St Mirren. Ah, it was that was way. I, of course, you think yeah. that's what I want to be. That's what I want to do. But how realistic? How how realistic a dream is that when you've not really, really kind of established yourself as a as a first team regular? So did, did you keep in touch with him after hit, that, Chris? What Craig Brown? Yeah, one of those things. He, I was just I was just one of the runners. So like you see, Jimmy Bowen and Kenny McDowell, uh, obviously manager and a manager at St Mirren, took all the took all the, the under 18s down, and we would be we would be so we would be getting coached by the. The, the, the coaches that are, that are learning their, their trade, you know, so it was one of those things. He's, he's a Scotland manager. I was, I was little old Crystal, oh, little young Crystal Elmo, 18 year old. You're not going to keep in touch, you know, it's not, you know I mean, it's like you, like you say, life gets in the way. I'm still trying to establish myself, work hard and get myself in the first team. It was, if I just think if opportunity had came earlier, it would, I, oh my good, you know, I, because I, was coming to the, the end of my career. I, sh- I shouldn't have been playing, Andy. I, I get told I'd only play till I was 27 with the operations that I had. So I retired at 36. So it was a little bit of a freak of nature for the fact that I had to keep my leg muscles so strong to protect my my, my, my knees. But the operation that I had at 18, the, the surgeon told me, he says, this, the operation that I've just done, he took about 70% of my cartilage away. Uh, he says that halves your career. So I just had to, I done all my prehab. I made sure that my, my, my legs were strong and I retired at 36. I got my Scotland call up at 30-year-old, you know, so I shouldn't really have been playing. 
So but to do all that, to achieve the things that I did, you know, I've, I've, I've got to be proud. I've, I've, I've kind of, I went and realised one of my dreams and, and made it happen, you know. Is, is it true, though, that when you were a Stoke player and Bertie Volts was the manager of Scotland, you were supposed to take part in some kind of big trial game because Bertie Volts was casting the net really quite wide to try and help us through the transitional period. And he was interested in seeing what you were all about, but Stoke were involved in the playoffs, so you couldn't make it. That's it. That's it. And that just shows you, you know, you're talking about sliding door moments, isn't it? It's like the success that I was having with Stoke got us into the playoffs. And then that, it was it was, abro- it was abroad as well. I think the game was away uh, in another country. He was taking like a 25-man squad or whatever it was. And my name was on the list. But again, it's the playoffs. Yeah. You can't miss out on... And, and we got promoted uh, through the playoffs. So you would like to have thought, have another look. Went and got promoted. You're now in. You're now in the the, the the English Championship. Let's 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 come on up. Let's have a look at you again. But it yeah. never it never happened. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, it's, it's, it's funny how I think sliding doors was the, the term you used there, just how in a fraction or a moment something can just change and it has the knock-on effect for years and years to come, completely unjustified or otherwise. It, it seems to be quite strange that we, I think for the last, yeah, 20 years or so, we, we had Kenny Miller as the dominant striker, kind of supporting yeah. cast of Faddy, Chris Boyd was was in and out slightly, Stephen Fletcher in and out. But we've we've searched and searched for a proper goal scorer and Jordan Rhodes tried, didn't really work. Ross McCormick didn't really get too many caps despite all the goals he was scoring. It it feels strange that after 2002, you had to wait another, what would it have been, six years or so to get your cap? Yeah, and and that was was the one thing that I'll never know the answer to because, like you say, a lot of those players that you were mentioning, they had stints in England. They had successful periods in England and that opened that door uh, for them internationally. And you're talking about sliding doors moments and things that happen. You know, it's like, like I, I came up to Scotland for a six-month period and won the Scottish Cup with, with St. Johnson. <laughs> you know, but if I wasn't going through what I was going through in my personal life at that moment, that would never have even been on the cards. So little things like that. And it does that. That then gave me a, a voice to talk about the Scottish Cup, that, a, a platform with, with the media, BBC, whatever it may be, to to be present at those games and have an opinion. and that Because, you know, you were there, you experienced it. Okay, I was on the bench for the cup, the, the cup final, but still you were there, you've you seen what was It's that, This is what life is all about. You know, it's like that split second. You know, I've watched this, I've watched the Scotland miss so many times and I think, why did I take that big step? 
there's a big step that I took. If I just took three little steps, I'm just I'm I'm just tapping that into the back of the net. I was offside, by the way, Andy. If VAR, if VAR comes and looks at it, I'm offside by about what about about 15, 15 20 centimeters. So uh, I like to kind of bring that one up. But it is what it is. The line, the linesman should have done his job on the day, yeah. and I've saved saved me a lot of aggro over the last whatever what yeah. 20, 20 odd year. Well, the. We'll, we'll come to your debut and your actual caps in a second. Because um, I know you're a guy that's very proud of your, although Scotland through and through, very proud of your heritage as well. And your dad's from Nigeria. Was that ever a potential route into international football for you? I suppose in the early 2000s as well, they they will have had some quality strikers. Canu for one straight off, yeah. off the bat. Nigeria came in when I was in Denmark. So when I went out to Denmark, uh, I got asked to go in, into a squad. Uh, it was the the twenty ones, and uh, it's not like my, my mother and father split up when I was when I was uh, when I was seven. Uh, never seen my dad for about fourteen years. We built that relationship up. Uh, I guess after that fourteen year period, and like you say, it was Scottish through and through. You know, I never seen myself going in else. Uh, that well, that I know that wouldn't have. I guess I don't know if the rules the rules have changed, but I don't think playing for Nigeria under twenty ones would have stopped me from playing for Scotland or would it, Andy? I'm not sure. Uh, back in the, the back in the day, were. at that point, I think it might have. Um, I think it I, might have back in the day. Yeah. yeah. So again, I just, I just there was one thing. You know, I I, I grew up in Kilmarnock. You know, all my mates were back in Kilmarnock. I'm I'm playing out in the Danish Super League. Uh, so when uh, when that when that kind of contact came to the football club to, to to go over to Nigeria to join up with a squad because my my aim was to play for Scotland even though I hadn't thought about it then I was just yeah. basically still still getting the games under the legs playing in another country getting used to the culture uh, but again for me for the fact that I said no to Nigeria must have meant that was a part of me thinking. Scotland to come yeah. uh, and, and ask me the same question, you know. Yeah. Well, how did you find out you'd been called up then um, for your, your debut squad, the Norway one? Well, we were on a golf day uh, and uh, Mick McCarthy just sent me a text just say, just asking how I was doing on the golf day. It was like a wolf, a wolf's golf day. I'm thinking, why is, why is he messaging me? Like he's, he's, like, he's, he's probably an hour behind yeah. uh, with the tee-offs. And he just said, uh, congratulations, just I'll have to try and find the text message. And I went, you're right, Gaffer. You, you messaging the right person. He says, oh, you're in, you're in the Scotland squad. Just as simple <laughs> as that. And absolute, absolutely delighted. I was absolutely delighted. Like you say, I did start like a house on fire uh, at Wolves. And uh, George Burley, funny enough, George Burley was the same manager to let me go as a 14-year-old uh, S-form. Uh, and he gave me my full Scotland debut <laughs> uh, 16 years later. But full circle, bizarre, eh? eh? Bizarre, <laughs> yeah. United. Full circle, eh? But I did remind him of that as well, by the way. <laughs> did he remember? I don't think he could remember the week before, never no. mind 16 <laughs> years previous. <laughs> Scotland had already slipped up at the start of that group uh, against Macedonia. We'd kind of made a habit of that sort of start back then. Um, so the game was quite high pressure. Um, I think it was pretty obvious we needed to overcome Norway 
over the two games um, to get at least three, yeah. maybe four points off them to finish second. How do you remember the build-up um, in terms of pressure playing for your country? Did it differ a lot to the club environment? No, it was, what I will say, and it's something that I think more and more international uh, squads are, are kind of finding that club-like mentality. You know, it's something that Scotland, I think, always had as a, as a kind of advantage over other nations. Uh, so again, away with a group of players that you enjoyed being around, you know, yeah, you got the, the cliques with, with Celtic Rangers, uh, but even you know, out on the training pitch, it was it was it was outstanding. Obviously, Andy, I thought I was I thought I was going to be starting that game. You know, that whole week went to plan. Training was on fire. I'm sitting thinking the day before, I'm starting. I'm starting. Josh Burley changed things around. They had a look at their different partnerships. Uh, and uh, when when he actually said the team, I was gutted. But then when he said, right, and the subs are, you're thinking, wow, right, okay, then the text message goes out to the family. But the week was the week was excellent. The, you're very well, you're very well protected uh, when you're with the national team in that in that kind of football bubble. You know, you're looked after the media. Uh, this officers, everyone is making sure that you you are the, the most comfortable that you can be, and I, I imagine that that's only got better if it's even possible that 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 can get uh, uh, to an even better standard than what it was then. But I just think that everyone had kind of managed it properly, and just disappointing that we never we never got the result. And then obviously, I think with the high pressure on that game, I think that just kind of put a little bit more on that miss, you know, because that would have been the difference. You score that goal. You take the points, and then you can. It can be the catalyst to build from from something, but uh, it wasn't to be the case. Well, we don't need to give a blow by blow account of literally what happened. Um, I'm sure everyone has seen it themselves, and you've said that you watched it back loads of times. Did did your teammates? I put get an reminded arm of it so many times, so many <laughs> times, Andy. Yeah. Uh, well, can you you, you you seem like you can laugh about it now, ish. Of course, of yeah. course, you know, not many people get to pull on the, the, the dark blue, do they, and, mm. and play play it, uh, play for their country. So, no, it's a, it is a proud, proud moment for me. Uh, you know what? Uh, Barry Ferguson, Craig Gordon, I remember Craig was, he was so angry. He was so angry after the match because I think they showed it on the big screen. He, I think he said about uh, 10 or 11 times. You know, and he was he was raging, but it was one of those things I never seen it because you're obviously trying to get on with the match and you're you're going with going on with it. But Barry Ferguson was excellent again, just an absolute leader of men. Uh, and I remember I got I got the option. So you, the, the the media walk, uh, you'll know the setup at at Hamden. And I remember I walked out, and the media officer offered me another route out. I was like, right, okay, this is this is serious. I went, yeah. no, you know what? I'll 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 go and I'll go and face face the music uh, straight away. And what should have took you what probably five ten minutes? I was there for an hour and forty five minutes on this oh, on that media God. walk, mate. An hour and forty five answering the same bloody question over and over yeah. and over and over and over again. You know what I mean? And I remember uh, I went out in Glasgow that night as well. Uh, stayed at the the stayed in the Glasgow Hilton. Up, had my breakfast the next day. Stopped at a service station on the way back down. Jim White had gave me a little call asking about. I think uh, Ashley Cole had been receiving some racial abuse uh, for England, but I think Jim just wanted to 
to get me on, have an opinion on that, and then straight away asking me about how I was feeling for the. So it was one of them. So I'd done my interview on with Sky, but I remember I pulled in at the services and I, I bought all the papers. I mean, every paper you could buy, right? And I've sat there for about, what, an hour and a half, two hours, just reading them all, right? Oh, yes. Listen to me, right? And get an absolute torn to shreds, right? And then I remember I just thought, right, okay. So I put all the paper, put them in the bin, drove down the rest of the, the, the way home, back in at, at Wolves, and uh, yeah, got a goal in the in the, the game against, I think it was Coventry the following the following the following day. And it was back to it was the only place I wanted to be, mate. The only place that I wanted to be was in the in the Wolves dressing room, you know. And there was a few Scottish lads in there as well. So again, you got a bit of stick, but I think you know me now, Andy. It's uh, I'm a little bit thick skinned and yeah. it's all about you know what I mean, it's about experiences, isn't it? Yeah. If it doesn't break you, it makes you stronger for sure. Well you were strong in the face of it at the time. After the game, you were quite uh, strong to the media. You, sh- you should have tried scoring a hat trick because you would have been there for less time in front of them, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> you know, we, we, we love a villain up here, yeah, don't we? It's, yeah. it's shameful. Yeah, um, yeah. But the, yeah, there was a quote in the papers after it ref- comparing the fact that you'd said, you know, I played well um, throughout the game, saying oh, that was like the Titanic captain, Edward Smith, saying he steered the boat well apart from that one bit of ice. Well, that, you've got to remember I'm a striker, Andy, so I'm, I'm going to get judged on, on, on the goals that I score. Uh, when, when, when you look at it, you have to be you have to kind of be your own worst critic, you know. And the game, I, I held the ball up well. I won all my aerial duels, you know. Uh, I was a threat in behind. I was a threat uh, for, 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 that, for that, that, that entire... That, that, that whole game that, that for the minutes that I played. But like you say, you are going to get judged that opportunity. And that's that's football. If I'm sitting as a commentator watching that game, I'm saying Norway had chances as well, but that one sticks out and I'll say, look, he has to score that. No matter what player it is, he has to put that in the back of the net. Puts that in the back of the net, then that goal changes the match, doesn't it? And you would, 99 so, times out of 100. 100, that would have been hit the back of it, especially the form that I was in. Yeah. But like you say, things are things are just sometimes just not meant to be. Yeah. Uh, like you say, everyone knows who Chris Willem. Everyone knows who Chris Willem was for that for that miss. So there's always a there's always a positive side to it, and I guess things fall on your lap with what I do now in the media world because of that. That you know, so it is what it is, Andy. You can't change it. Uh, but it's definitely, it definitely was the the lowest and the highest point of my career, all rolled up into one. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You bought the papers in the, the petrol station. Did you dwell on it for quite a while? Because the media reaction was quite furious. And a lot of journalists up here are like a dog with a bone with that kind of thing. They try not to let it go for, for too long. It lasted for three weeks up in Scotland. You know, you've got to remember when I played down in England, uh, I, never, I never seen any of it. I have those papers on the Sunday morning. 
and like you say, I, I, I was probably in the car reading them for what probably to an hour to ninety minutes. Just everything that was, and then as soon as I, I never read it over again, I just read them all once, and then they got in a, a nation. Uh, but I never seen any of I never seen any of uh, any of the, the the abuse that I was getting over the next three weeks. I think my brother, I think my big brother sent me a picture of a double decker bus. Uh, going around Glasgow, it was uh, one of the one of the buses, and it had the actual the now the picture of maybe my mouth the the full side of one of the buses. Uh, so I don't know. Again, really? that was that again. That's is that the media bizarre? That was so he sent me a picture of this this. So I don't know why that would be on the side of the bus. You know, crazy in that crazy world that we live in. Yeah, I wish uh, I had an answer for you. Yeah. With a Scotland kit on. Yeah, but it is what it is. But I never seen any of it. I never. You got a couple of calls from uh, from some journalists and things, but like you say, I, I always spoke to them all, and that's something that's probably probably put me in a good mm-hmm. good stead in the position that I'm in now. That I never shied away from anything, Andy. You know, yeah, I should have put the ball in the back of the net. It was my debut for my country, uh, and, and the rest is kind of history. You know, we still went up. I still went back and done a job at Wolves and got promoted. As champions yeah. out of the championship. Now, you, you had four caps for Scotland. The rest of them kind of came yeah. with gaps in between. So the injury didn't help. I know that you had a, a broken foot, I think it was, at some point, which stopped you from uh, being a part of a few camps. But you played against Argentina at Hamden for five minutes. That must have been quite a cool experience. Amazing. Amazing. Diego Maradona's first game in charge, uh, and uh, obviously George Burley. That was so. This is this is the this is just after the, the obviously the, the Norway uh, camp, and uh, George Burley. He told me very early on that I'll, I'll be starting. It was me and Faddy up top, and uh, again outstanding. I, honestly, I remember at Hamden right, and I remember the the national anthem coming on. And you're standing there and you're, you're singing the you're singing the Flower of Scotland, right? And I could feel myself welling up. Hmm. You know, like how you know that you're gonna go. But you're sitting thinking, you can't you can't you can't cry. What what the hell you, <laughs> it was that emotional, Andy. Honestly, yeah. I, I can't explain it. I, but the hairs are standing on end now, just just remembering how that felt. Not, not nothing to do with the fact that it was Argentina, but you're sitting there with your Scotland shirt on, number nine. You you think about that? How many how many young young Scottish boys or girls would have dreamt of just representing yeah. their country, wearing their, whatever their specific number? And I was fulfilling that playing against Argentina, Diego Maradona, another icon, legend of of, of the football game. Yeah, and uh, I felt myself honestly stopped myself from crying. That just shows you about the the emotion, how emotional it was. Uh, and in that game as well, uh, there was some funny things. I remember uh, Tevez. So the ball's been fired into Tevez, and I swear to you, I, th- I think about about maybe fifteen of the players must have just burst out laughing at this. It's been, you know, like if you strike a ball as hard as you can hit it, but it was right at his face. He's controlled it with his face, right? <laughs> and his second, his second touch is took it away by the the was marking him right. Uh, also in that that game there was a there was a long ball came up and it was an ch- opportunity for me to smash uh, Gabriel Heinze right and I thought oh I'm gonna absolutely take him out here watching the, the flight of the ball 
I remember I went up, went to smash him, and I just, I landed on my back. He's obviously thinking the exact same, oh, I'm going to get the big man here. And he's put me on my ass. You really? know what I mean? It was, uh, honestly, mate, honestly, it was, they were, I got uh, Max to Rodriguez's shot. I remember the, the kit man, uh, Willie, the kit man, uh, as soon as the game finished, they went into a huddle. Uh, you couldn't get near them for security. So obviously players are trying to get shots from that. No, no one got any shots, but then Willie, we went in, and obviously I got on with, with Willie and he, he sorted me out. The goal scorer, they beat us 1-0, didn't they? And uh, Maxi got the goal, obviously Liverpool at the time. And I've got I've got them all framed. I need to I need to show you some of the pictures. I'll send them up. Brilliant. But uh, it, was a, it's a, it was it was it was amazing to go out, start for your country, wearing a number nine shot, and like you say, we we held our own. You know, just a little bit of quality. We conceded that goal in the first half, and we never really kind of never really kind of troubled them too much, but we. We, we we kept it we kept it tight from then on. Well, we're we're running out of time. Just a, a few minutes left. So you were included a couple of times by Craig Levine for games against Sweden and Czech Republic. I think that was the infamous four six zero game. Actually, you came on to replace Jamie yeah. Mackey with uh, fifteen minutes to go. Um, it then sort of fizzled out for you. Was that just a matter of career uh, st- stage of career you were at and and the direction Levine was going down? Yeah, it probably comes into it. You know, I don't think you you ever retire from from uh, from your country. You know, I think, uh, but you've got to remember the age that I am, the the level that I'm that I was playing at. You know, obviously after Burnley, uh, with Craig Levine, I went to Watford, uh, and again, it was you're not. You, I wasn't tearing up trees. Let's put it that way at Watford. So I, I think there was, there was other strikers out there that were that were more effective. And again, the age the age will always play a part. But I, I got on very well with Craig, you know. Uh, and like you say, it's just it was just one of them. It's I got in late. It was always going to be a short a short little affair, you know. Is it a case of then you're you're feeling very fulfilled and proud of the four caps you got, or a case of what might have been? No, yeah, fulfilled. You know, I think that's the way I always. I try and say don't have any regrets. I would have loved to put the get a goal for my country and put that one to bed, but it wasn't to be the case. Uh, but no, I feel fulfilled. You know, I've I've done something that millions, millions of young boys and girls dream of. Uh, so I'm very proud, very proud of what I've, what I've achieved out, out of the game, internationally and at club level. Right. Well, Chris, it was brilliant to finally get this arranged and get you on. So thanks very much for your time, and I'm, I'm sure I'll bump into you again soon. Absolute pleasure, Andy, and I'll see you. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll see you very soon, actually. Yeah. Top man. Sports Social Podcast Network.